My name is Andrew Gallegos. And I'm Jen Gallegos. And we are your hosts of the Headed Home Podcast. Over the past few years, we've created episodes discussing growth, strategies for life obstacles, and have interviewed some inspirational people. Moving forward, we're going to shift our focus a bit from us and our story to other top producing professionals in the industry that I work in, which is real estate and mortgages. We want to find out how other people accomplish their goals, overcome difficulties, and achieve growth and success in this crazy world. Hope you enjoy. We are here for another episode of the Headed Home podcast. My name is Jen Gallegos, and this is Andrew Gallegos. We have a great episode with a really, really awesome guest today. Before we introduce him, though, so we've been doing this cold, cold plunge. The plunge. Well, I've been doing it more than you. I feel like you chicken out sometimes, but we both did it this morning, and I'm I'm still freezing. I know. It's when did we do it? Like three hour, four hours ago. Yeah, it was a while. It takes a while to warm up. There's definitely some <laughs> benefits to it, but I will say you do it more than me, but you keep it at like sixty degrees, and I like to go at like a little bit below fifty. So. Oh, here we go. There it is. I, it's the same. It has the same. I've looked at all the studies that has the same response to your body. So just, okay. it's well, fine. Cold. I can handle the colder. <laughs> but if you haven't, if you haven't tried a cold plunge, I highly recommend. I mean, there's been a ton of, I would say, health benefits that both of us have seen from it. And it gives you so much energy. And I feel like it gives us flashbacks to like, like being an athlete and like, Sitting in the yeah, sitting. sharpens the mental sword for sure for me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We'll ask David what he thinks here in a second. I'm gonna go ahead and introduce our guest, David DePietro. He is a top producing real estate agent with Compass in Denver. We connected through social media this year, and I gotta say, he's got a terrific presence on social media. Downtown Dave is his Instagram handle. Go check him out and follow him. He's young, he's driven, he's doing big things in real estate, and I'm excited to learn more about him today. David, what's up? Thanks for joining us. Andrew and Jen, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, just I would like to start us out with Downtown Dave was not self-proclaimed. One of my good friends, the <laughs> title was like, hey, you need a nickname. And he's like, you got to go with this. But Downtown Dave, and I was reluctant of it for five or six months, but finally just said, screw it and grew my Instagram handles and social media handles of that. And now it works. And I've gotten like some business off of downtown. <laughs> just be like, oh, you were downtown Dave. So we hired you. And I'm like, you got to sell your soul a little bit in real estate sometimes. So that was, it, it, it was not an egotistical driven, like I'm downtown Dave, but it's, uh, it, it worked and whatever, you know, if it helps the client, helps some exposure, I'll take it. But uh, no, really excited to be on here with y'all and, and talk to y'all, you know, see if I can help some, some listeners out or, uh, you know, just provide a laugh or something. Well, we like to laugh on this, so feel free. So I, I want to back up and just kind of learn a little bit about you and like what made you want to get into real estate? Yeah, yeah. Went to, can I cuss on here? Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, okay. All right. so, I, David, just so you know, I used to be a principal and it was like a joke that I was going to be the first principal for being fired, like over B for cussing for on cussing. the speaker. Yeah, so you're yeah. good. Yeah. Well, Carry on. A little bit hypocritical. Huh? <laughs> uh, uh, no, yeah. So growing uh, growing up here in Denver, you know, I got to see, you know, the city explode when basically when marijuana was legalized, yeah. basically exploded the, the whole city. And I was 
young, 2008, let's see, I'm 28 now. So about 12, 13, 14, kind of when that started, Denver started expanding. And I watched Million Dollar Listing growing up and in, in like high school and in kind of my early years of college. And Denver didn't necessarily have the same sort of buildings and exposure that New York had. But I, I basically going downtown to Rocky Games and everything. I saw all these cool buildings and these old loft conversions. And I basically, for lack of a better word, with the correlation from Million Dollar Listing, said I want to sell cool shit downtown. And that was as simple and as complex as it may be. And now I'm, I'm very, very blessed to be able to kind of realize a little bit of that manifestation and sell some cool shit downtown. And that's as, as simple or as complex as you need to be. But that's how I basically, it was the MO of doing real estate. You guys want me to go into a little bit of my backstory and everything? Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. Like, and, and how long have you been an agent too? Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, six year, I just got the notification from Facebook when I posted my, Hey, you passed your broker certificate with the two certificates. And it had a little bottle, a little champagne bottle emoji of dance emoji. And that was six years ago, just last nice. week. So been licensed yeah. for six years. It's been the, basically the only job I've ever had. So born and raised here, just South of Denver and Highlands Ranch, went to Colorado state, played football up there for college went up there in 2017 that's the or no 2013 so okay. graduated 2013 so 2014 to 2016 was up at Colorado State played football up there and that was a great experience and then just going into my senior year I realized I wasn't going pro in, in football you know a lot of people are a little bit better than you and realized that and my brother was in real estate at the time so he had a little bit little Keller Williams team down in Denver and you know, they were selling some cool shit downtown. So, so I forewent my senior year of football, uh, which was a very, very hard decision to make. Uh, but basically I didn't, I always wanted my life trajectory to be always moving forward and always trying to reach that peak. And a lot of athletes peak when their, you know, seasons are maxed out. And I saw the writing on the wall there and I was like, you know, I'm going to forego the senior year. I moved in with my parents, moved back to Highlands Ranch, finished my degree at CU Boulder, at CU Denver. So I'm a Ram, but have a CU degree, which is very odd, but uh, it worked out. Got as a as a former yeah. as a former CU buff, I'm I'm oh, sort gosh. of grateful you finished that last year. Why? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the education might be worth a little bit more from CU. <laughs> we 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 had fun for sure. But yeah, go in and uh, got my real estate license. Was able to start with with Kentwood. It looks like you got a gnarly injury on your hand there too. Yeah, I broke this metacarpal in my hand playing hockey. So I played in a couple beer league. Oh, I picked it up like two years ago. Played a couple beer leagues and was skating after guys. Like reached around him with my stick, and somehow my stick got caught up him, and then just was on this whole finger and ripped out of my hand, and it fractured my metacarpal. So I go get oh. I go get a cast full cast today. So it's it's been fun. I get married. That December sounds day. painful. Get married December second, and uh, it's it's going to be awesome. Six weeks, hell or high water. So that's what that's what they're saying. So, uh, <laughs> That's that's typical of my personality, though. Always stuff comes up when like the most important things are happening to you. And, uh, you know, that sounds like someone life, else I know. Life, life. Is that like you guys? <laughs> yeah. One one question, because I've got a buddy who plays hockey in a league and we grew up kind of playing football and basketball. And he was like, dude, yeah. and I, I haven't played hockey, but he was like, dude, it's so much harder. It's so oh, much it's more the hardest cardio. Sport. It's the hardest sport I've ever played that far. Is it? Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll take you, your you word at, for you it. You look at football and you're like, 
they can just like run and walk <laughs> over to places. The hockey's just, I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's a sport and then you combine ice skating onto it. That's just, it's so hard, but it's, it's such a good workout, but it's relatively like easy on your body unless you get hurt. So yeah. like, if you're going around skating, it's not, it's not like hard on your knees, like basketball or, you know, people who play football now, other blown out ACLs and stuff. So, but sometimes it gets some free, free get type things. Yeah. Cause you're like that so one. Fast off skates, but it is a blast. It's so such a good workout too. Nice, man. Right on. Andrew's playing old man basketball, and so he comes yeah. home every freaking week with some injury. Wobbling with a couple of the bags of keys on you. Yeah, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of stretching, a lot of flexibility. My workout routine is now just almost straight That's flexibility. Good. Yeah, you're, yeah. Being, you're being smart about it. Well, it makes you play, but a basketball yeah. randomly, yeah, you step on someone's leg wrong. Your oh. ankle blows out, but then you can go to the whole, you know, months without anything happening. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's getting old, huh? Is is that, I mean, that just it, 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 yeah, flexibility, as I, as I man? Older. I'll tell you what, you're 28, I'm 40, and I've been playing basketball for, I mean, since I was a little kid, but I've been playing consistently like year round. The one thing is you got to keep playing, whatever you're doing, keep, don't stop playing because once you stop, it goes away. And then just flexibility, man. Like it's big. Mm -hmm. I'm just, you just have to spend like an hour a day stretching yeah. if you want to continue to play competitively. I'm yeah. Yeah. No, no. I'm sure you can keep it up for a few more years. We'll see. They'll go full time golf at oh, that point. Oh, God. <laughs> um, the, the, the golf is what messes me up. Golf, yeah. I, I'm, I'm 6'6, 260 pounds. So golf is tough. <laughs> it's tough on it. Best, I jack my back up. I could go into the gym and deadlift 400 pounds and fine. But I go and golf for a day and I'll jack them on the IR. Really? Oh, crazy. That's crazy. I've heard people say that. Yeah, it's a tough part for sure. All right, man. Well, look, let's pick up because you were telling us, you said, you know, you, you graduated from CU Denver. You played football for a few years up in Fort Collins. You got right into real estate, which I got to say is interesting. Like I've been in, in lending for going on 13 years. I know a lot of real estate agents. I know a lot of loan officers. And it's very rare that someone gets in right out of college. I mean, most of the time it's like, they'll do it, they'll have a career and then they'll do a part-time job as a real estate agent. And then that eventually becomes their full-time job. So that's really cool that you got in full-time right away. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely, I always knew kind of growing up, but you know, just just even like seeing people work jobs, I was like, I don't want to work a nine to five. I just, I just never wanted to. And for some reason, even without the experience of it or too much experience that I knew that I always wanted to be some sort of, which is odd, but I always wanted to be sort of commission type. You get paid for what you get out type of job. And that might, that might be where the athlete mentality correlates, where, you know, you get, you get out what you put in and you're paid or valued appropriately with that. You know, you have to be, it's not everyone just is, is all the same. It is all paid the same, et cetera. Whereas an athlete, you know, not every player is the same. You know, you have your better mm -hmm. players, you have your worst players, but there's a team aspect. But it could be a little bit of that correlation of that, of that mentality and always even want to do that. In just the brief where I was working at the bank downtown part-time, I just, it was it was not it. Where you're waiting for the hours to tick down. I, I always do. I want something where you're you're trying to buy more time. And now through my experience with real estate, you you can always make more money. You can always make more deals. You can never get more time. And that's, that's kind of did the biggest, biggest thing I've always valued is, is that sort of hunger that I think was instilled. I mean, well, was instilled through me through 
my experience with sports and everything from growing up. And I'm glad you brought that up. Let's touch on that a little bit further with being an athlete and having a legitimate success going and playing Division One college football. I played football my whole life. I loved it. Didn't play past high school. But I struggled. And I talked to a lot of other athletes that have struggled too. Because once it's over, it's hard because your identity gets wrapped up in that sport. You know, that is who you are. And it took me years to get out of that to to find, you know, something that motivated me in the same way or, or something that I could kind of connect with that athlete mentality. Did you struggle with that? I mean, it sounds like it was a smoother transition for you. But you know, tell us about that transition between being an athlete and then being in, in your career. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I mean, that's that's a great item to touch on, a great topic to bring up. I, I was, I think I might be the outlier of it where I just never, I have a fear of always of capping out and like of mm-hmm. peaking to an extent, whether it's in any aspect of life, it's in your physical fitness, in your relationships, in your career, et cetera. I have a and I think that that's what drives me so hard is is I have a fear of reaching my potential and like declining. So I always want to be on the upswing. So I saw many, you know, so many of the players that I played with and teammates that I had that were far better than me. I saw them and and they're you know graduated hanging out of the locker room and everything. There's just a lot more to life than this. And growing up in high school, you know, very well-off areas and extending up that I don't come from multi-millions by any means, but I was raised well enough to, you know, know, know that there's life outside of sports and everything. So seeing those guys kind of hang around the locker room, you know, I was looking forward to that more, you know, proceeding with a career, et cetera, that I think that sort of fear of peaking to an extent or reaching your potential, that's what really drove me. And then, you know, I just shifted right into this working harder than ever and balancing, you know, a job, a real estate career that was sort of philosophy, finishing school, et cetera. And then I was able to, I just really segmented it to basically a few different parts of let's finish school, so finish school. And then the next step was I wanted to do real estate full time. I had to, you know, sort of accumulate a deal to reach that point and was blessed enough to join with Kentwood, which is a big luxury firm, or at the time it was a big luxury firm here in, in Denver. And I saw a million dollar listing and everything. Some of them did rentals. And I was like, no one does rentals here. The guy that I joined out with Kentwood, he did a little bit of rentals, a little bit of sales here and there, and was was lucky to basically all with relocation came through me on the rental side of any of these apartments downtown, they'll pay a, a month's rent to bring someone over. You don't have to do lease, you don't have to do anything. So, you know, someone relocated from San Francisco needs a year-long rental at an apartment in Chick Creek for $4,000 a month. They come to me. I bring them right in, you know, tore them just like they would you would a first sale client. And I was able to garner, I uh, found a client for that. And then my whole goal and what drew me was wanting to do real estate full-time. So was able to get that fairly quickly. And, and that kind of catapulted my career in doing all the rentals, doing what pe- some, a lot of brokers even just neglected. And I was getting other Ketwood agents, Lee, or Ketwood agents, clients and everything for rentals. I'm like, I'll ever say no to an easy thousand bucks, two thousand bucks, whatever it is. My goals in life was fulfilling myself 100% and doing a career full time. And I have to be, oh my whole life, I had to balance school and or all these other responsibilities and one really focus on one thing 100% of the time. That's what excited me and that's what I work towards. And, you know, even things like this are a good reminder of that to be thankful for where I'm at and, you know, and don't have to balance the house. Yeah. 
Well, no, and that, I'm I'm glad that you uh that that you mentioned that you know balancing. I mean, that was probably a lot, you know, just with balancing football and school, and so that that probably prepared you, you know, for life after that. Were there stumbling blocks though? Like, did you because in, in sale? And it sounds like you had a nice little intro, you know, with helping renters out in meeting clients that way. But like, what was the hardest part about oh, being a brand gosh. new real estate agent? It's a good, I mean, what's the hardest part now? It's still a bunch of hard parts, but no, being, being, being a brand new agent. I know. I, <laughs> you know now, it's like, always about eight or 10 agents that, that, that I'm able to help out and able to guide. Being a brand new agent was, it, for me, it, it necessarily wasn't that hard because I think I'm naturally normally a type A personality that wants to get out and meet people. And, you know, it was always easy on, on my end to get out and meet people. But the brass tacks of it is getting out, meeting people. And meeting people was fairly simple for me, but getting them to trust you with their biggest financial purchases or continuing purchases of their life. And, you know, just get them to trust some young kid that looks like some yeah. Chad that plays football. And, and Chad is basically a, a very clean cut white kid. And that's <laughs> what I, my fiance called me that when she, when she found me on LinkedIn. So, uh, I guess it worked. Uh, but uh, I, I, I'd say that the, yeah, the toughest hurdle was that's amazing. trusting yourself, getting yourself out there, and then gaining that trust with others. And I really took it upon me to have my knowledge be as top tier as possible. So it, it's a it, an instant attraction that I had with, you know, sort of downtown real estate and high-end luxury type things. I love, you know, luxury cars, luxury clothes, et cetera. So it was like easy to correlate that. But I really just focused it on knowing my shit, you know, knowing the best buildings downtown, knowing the apartment I was touring with, if it's a rental, knowing the sales area, if it's a sale and really knowing, you know, the neighborhoods, knowing where shops, restaurants, what perch someone would do in this so that when that unicorn type lead or client came in, I was able to knock it out of the park. And I think a lot of brokers maybe get way too diversified where they are a master of none to an extent. And you know, what you're going to be successful is what you're consistent in. And I and I just really focused in on hey, this is kind of answering how to be successful as opposed to what were the hurdles, but really focusing on knowing my shit. But the biggest hurdle that I faced was people thinking that I did it. So it was the constant and that again, a little bit of the athlete mentality. And I, I wanted to get the opportunity to basically get my my target as I run down the field towards the end zone and you know, get that ball thrown to me. And I, I played tight end in, in college and get that ball thrown to me. So the biggest hurdle I had was having people trust me to, you know, do my job. And then the biggest way I was able to overcome those hurdles is actually really focus in on the brass tacks of knowing your product, knowing what you're trying to get people to buy, knowing why they would want to buy that and really actually focusing in on knowing your shit. And I think a lot of, uh, a, a lot of agents, become way too diversified because you can stretch so many directions in this in this career. It's, it's all sex you do and you count the commissions and everything, but a lot of brokers are getting caught up on one area and another and being a master of none. I would say really just focusing it on knowing that exact area that you're trying to sell and knowing that exact product, whether it be an exact school district that you're trying to correlate with. If you have you know kids that are in that area and you want to correlate with 
those types of families in that area, or if you're a downtown type of guy or gal, really knowing those areas, knowing the cool lofts, knowing the nice buildings down there, or whatever lifestyle you want to fit into, whether it be you know ranches or mountains or whatever it is, Colorado is pretty diverse in that. But uh, really focusing on the product and knowing that product is what helped me extremely to become successful quickly. Sure. I think, I mean, you bring up a great point. And what I love that you said is that you took the thing that you felt like people were weary about you, you know, doing, and you made that like your, what you were an expert at. And so I think that's really, really neat. So in addition to, you know, being an expert in your content, what other traits do you feel like make you a successful real estate agent or what traits do you see in other agents that make them successful? I, I really tried to pin it on, again, I keep on going back to this, but the athlete mentality is, you know, always striving yeah. to be your best and always trying, striving to be like someone. Like when, when I was a kid growing up, I watched Rob Gronkowski play tight end and that's who I wanted to be. So, you know, you're trying to emulate that. And in, in real estate, you know, it's, it's it's the same thing. So, you know, being at Kenwood as a really young broker, you were able to see a lot of high-end brokers, you know, in the room and see their listings and everything. And I was like, oh, I always want to be the guy that has those listings, you know, show on the board, et cetera. And I'm just like, I'm just happy to be in this room. But then as I progressed and, you know, started to see what people are doing and then be in deals with these types of agents, it really sort of solidified for me that, you know, any, I guess it was kind of a, a cool realization moment that anyone can do these types of deals. And it's really a matter of being there and having the opportunity to to get to those deals, which was the, the really cool sort of realization. But in what I do to find success is find someone to replicate, to, to copy a lot of the million dollar listing agents and popular, you know, Ryan Serhance of the world or whatever it might be, have a ton of really, really unique media to do and they're sharing content, social media, et cetera. And that was something I always wanted to do. I did everything from it, it wasn't a music video, but it was like a music video director did a lot of the media for me. And, you know, I don't necessarily know if it worked in gathering clients, but it gathered attention because I was listening to some of the best brokers saying, you always have to post media, you always have to post media, you always have to post media. So I focused on that. I'm doing a lot of videos and everything and just being consistent. And that was something I saw a lot of my peers doing and kind of leaned into that to, to make myself successful. Um, it's sort of that exposure and, you know, it got, it got some flack from like my friends and everything. And, you know, people would say, oh, hey, downtown Dave kind of making fun of me and everything. But, you know, it's got me some sales and, you know, I, it, if you're in real estate, and you're not okay with being exposed or okay with putting yourself out there. You're just in the wrong career because that's all we can do is get ourselves out there and know people. And unless you're some crazy, smart, hedge fund type of guy doing acquisitions for some capital group, like if you're not putting yourself out there, you know, being friendly, making content, et cetera, you're not going to do well consistently in real estate. So just really into that, I think media, media, media is important, but no matter what you do as an agent, it's what you do consistently is the only thing that you're going to do to be consistently successful. So if you're, you know, someone that goes to events throughout your neighborhood or events, I went to a lot of like bar openings downtown and a bunch of charity charity organizations through events kind of downtown and just really cool high-end gala type things was consistent at going to those and I made a lot of clients there but whether it be you know going to events around your neighborhood and farmers markets and soccer tournaments and baseball tournaments etc that could be one way or you know sort of 
cool hip happenings downtown or whatever it may be. It's whatever you do consistent is the only thing that's going to work. I consistently just made marketing and, and a lot of videos. I consistently went out there and always we have a very cool career as, as, as people in the real estate industry where everyone has a need for it. And you instantly have something to talk about with everyone. And you don't need to yes. be a sleazy salesman about it. But, you know, it always gets brought. What do you do? Oh, no, I do real estate. Oh, you know, my neighbor's house was sold for 900 grand. You think I could get that for my house? Boom, right there. There's it's, it's something I really kind of lean into and try to just not be sleazy about it. But uh, honestly, you try to help people and really rely on that. But consistency uh, is, is, is all that I've done. And uh, I'm, I'm very blessed to be where I am now. And, and I know that I could always do better. But, you know, I, I kind of learned this year, you could always be doing more, so just kind of be right. thankful where you're at. I think there's an interesting point you made, and and I didn't tell you this before, David, but I used to coach high school dance teams, like pretty yeah. high level, like they were awesome. really competitive and danced in college. And one of the things that I think comes from competing at levels like that is you see when you're consistent with like habits you can see the progress that you make. And so I think that that transfers into your work. Like you understand that if you're consistent with things, you know, you're going to see success even when it's really shitty and you're doing things that are difficult. And the other part is like just the nature of sports is like you, you put yourself out there all the time and you mess up like very publicly in front of people. And so I think that one of the successful traits is really like being okay at like trying things and like maybe failing in front of people. And that I, I think is really where you where you see success when you're okay with that. One of the things that I think like competing in, in sports teaches you is to very publicly fail. And you put yourself out there knowing that people are going to talk about you or talk about like failing. And so when you get into a position in your career where you have to put yourself out there it, if you have had a lifetime of like doing that, I think that, I mean, that's the most powerful thing I think people can do to be successful. And so many people don't do it because they're scared shitless to like look stupid yeah. in front of people. And so I think that's a really important point that you brought up. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it absolutely is. And one thing I think sort of the athlete mentality and, it's, and something that teaches you is, I was always scared as a football player of, you know, you drop a pass, you have to do a hundred pushups and go run, you run a mile around the track or whatever. It was, it was a very odd punch fist they did as a kid. And I'm not sure how I, how I lived through them, but in, in, in real estate and kind of my career, I was like, nothing, no one's going to make me do anything physical. No one's going to make me do a furphy or 10 pushups or 50 pull-ups or run a lap. So I might as well just ask for anything and put myself out there because the worst thing someone could do is no. And no is still an answer. You know, at least you're getting to the no. I'd, I'd rather know that. Yeah. But a lot of people get really hung up and, and I understand that. I get in my own head too. And, you know, I'm not 100% flawless with it and in following through with everything and asking for everything. But, mm-hmm. you know, I just really just look myself in the mirror sometimes if I get nervous and I'm like, what's the worst thing to say? No, just do it. And then a lot of times... And you, you, I yeah, think and when you get... I'm through crazy. And when you get enough no's and you realize that you didn't die from them, like, you're like, oh, shit, like, this isn't so bad. Like, if this is the worst, like, great. It builds character. It builds character. And another touch on the athlete thing one more time. There's also a scoreboard in in sales, you know, and that's what's cool is you you get like you mentioned it at the beginning, like you get what you what you put into it. And like it shows when you don't put what you need to put into it because you lose, you know, and it's a competitive field. I do want to just, but just on based on the that idea, talk a little bit about 
real estate is a very competitive field. I looked up just this morning because I, I knew we were going to have this conversation. I looked up the average age for a real estate agent in Colorado. It's 49. So you, you, you are younger. I know you said you focused a lot on just knowing your shit so that you, know, you felt like you belonged there in that conversation with buyers. Is that how, how you feel like you stand out? Or are there other things from being you know, 28 that you think kind of gives you an advantage over someone who's maybe you know, 50 and maybe they have more experience than you? But like, how do you get in there and, and what, what do you bring that's a little bit different? Yeah, yeah. That, again, to echo on that sort of doing mentality, that not being afraid yeah. of someone saying no. So if I'm out and I see someone or talking and, and hit it off or whatever, I, I just straight up ask them, you know, oh, what, you know, what, what do you do? And then it gets correlated back to me and like, oh, you know, any questions on the market or something like that. And I, and I try not to be as, as out there as, as that. But I think sort of that maybe a little bit of naiveness that I have in not going through a corporate world in past experiences and, you know, kind of getting beaten down by that. I, I've never experienced that. So I maybe have a little bit of naiveness to it and a little bit of a youthful energy to it where I'll just take on anything. I'll say yes to anything and then we'll figure it out as we go. And of course, I've learned through my career that, you know, it's led to a lot of headaches, but uh, I, that athlete mentality never lets me give up. So, you know, I'll push yeah. through, but I've had, I've had some deals that I think could are harder than maybe they should have been because I took them on and maybe shouldn't have, but we got it through. But I'd say, you know, what's, what's been able to set me apart is really my, my ethics on, on the way I was raised. My, my dad is, is uh, a vice president of banking with, with one of the banks here in Denver. It really taught me just how to be an ethical, smart, caring, compassionate person. And I truly, honestly try to have that emulate through my clients and their deals and be able to fill for them. And also my competitive nature. So if my, and, and of course, deals get you more deals as you do more deals, you have more clients that come to reach out for you, more referrals, et cetera. But I'd say one of, one of my biggest things that helped me is my competitive nature. And if I'm someone, buyer's agent or seller's agent, and I've not represented both sides, I will go to bat for you. You, uh, you are, you're my sort of trophy. Or you, I, I'm trying to get to that trophy of getting you that house for the best price possible or selling it for the highest price possible and get you the absolute best deal in terms you could possibly get. And then my trophy at the end is, you know, your thank you, thank you that you get to, at, at the end. And it's that sort of competitive mentality. I, I'd say, yeah, that athlete mentality of, of you know, always working, always pushing has been able to set me apart and drive. And then also that competitive nature of really going and not putting competitive of putting other people down or anything, but really getting competitive about my clients, their deal and, and, and their wins. And I think my clients feel like they're taken care of if they get basically, you know, in my sphere and in my grasp. And, and it's just, hey, come along for the ride. And I'll, and I'll honestly, ethically get you the best deal possible because I truly do care. And just, you know, I'd say overarching, it's, it's kind of a combination of those, but then, you know, also putting yourself out there and treating this because I've never yeah. experienced a corporate, you know, a corporate type setting or a salary type job where you're nine to five or hourly type job where you're nine to five. I really treated this always. And, and my dad said, when you took a commitment, he always thought I was crazy because I took a commission based job. He's like, no one ever makes money in value a little bit old school, but you know, I proved him wrong. So that, so that's good. But in, <laughs> in treating this like a career, really time blocking it, you know, waking up early every day, you know, working every single day and, and every day it might not be your best, but as long as you're doing stuff and doing stuff consistently, you're going to reap the rewards. And 
it's on the days where you don't feel like doing anything, where you don't feel like texting those past mm-hmm. clients, or you don't feel like answering those emails. Those are when deals pop up. And it's yeah. really uh, the last overarching thing is treating this like a job and treating this like a career. Because it's the only career where you can say, I don't have anything on my schedule. I could go fuck off for the whole day. and No one's going to get you in trouble because you're only paying yourself. And just really treating like career and moving like that to then have the luxuries that other jobs don't have happen. You know, other jobs don't have six figure commission checks and, and or, or, or they do and they're just unobtainable until you're 30 years down the road. But, uh, you know, really treating this like a job, like career and caring about it, but then also being competitive or just this sort of mix that I've been able to, yeah. the magic potion that I've been able to formulate that. You know, I don't think I could replicate if I had 10 times to do it again, but just always trust myself, put myself out there. Yeah. No, I love that, man. Now you mentioned, it sounds like you have a great work ethic, getting up early, you know, treating it like a job. I, I love that, you know, because I, I don't think a lot of sales professionals do that. Do you, we talk a lot on this podcast about like personal development and routine and working harder on yourself than you do on your job. Are you someone that buys into that? Like, do you learn most of what you learn from doing transactions? Or do you also like put time in for yourself with like a morning routine? How does that? How would yeah, you yeah, that this, yeah, this is something I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, but I'm a kind of an unorthodox proponent of it. So a lot of people, you know, everyone in sort of this, and I think any listener here is someone that wants to be better about themselves or in some sort of entrepreneur, entrepreneurial platform or some sort of real estate business. So they're always going to, they have that competitive entrepreneurial spirit in them. But I think a lot of people lean into, you know, they'll, they'll get religious about listening to, you know, having their meditation or listening to their favorite podcast or, you know, being a Grant Cardone follower or an Ed Milet follower and, Get, they, they lean into that sort of help, self-help as a crutch and not actually, they get too busy following that following instead of actually working on themselves. And the best self, self-help mm. is, the best sort of self-help is the things that you're going to do. And it's all about becoming the best version of yourself. And, and ultimately, you know, a lot of people get way too caught up in spending hours of reading or hours of listening to this person, what they say, and don't just actually get up and do work on themselves. You actually have to implement the things that yeah. you learn. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people just get in it. And I found myself getting caught up in this. And I was like, it doesn't fucking matter if I read 10 of these books. If I don't implement any of them, I'm better off listening to one chapter and implementing that for a week yeah. and doing that. So I really try as often as I can. I'm a big proponent of working out in the morning. I think that you guys talked about the cold plunge at the beginning of this pool bike. My gym, the Denver Athletic Club downtown has one of those. And I find that if I can hop, do a quick workout, hop in the sauna for 10 minutes, then hop in there. It's one of those where, yeah, as I was talking about earlier, like nothing's harder than some sort of physical labor that somebody's doing. Nothing's harder than that fucking cold plunge. Uh, You get in there, you just feel like, (laughs) you feel like, you feel like you're going to, you feel like you got punched by Mike Tyson for 10 seconds in there. (laughs) You know, as, as you sort of mellow out, it makes the rest of your day just super easy. You're clear headed. You also like can't walk, but. As you, as you stumble through the day, you'll 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 be okay. But a uh, big proponent of you know working out uh, a little bit of my schedule is mostly every day, aside from you know Saturday, Sunday. So I, I try to you know at least four or five, six times a week. And you know a lot of people get really regimented in trying to do something every day. Just do the best that you can every day. You know there's some days where you sleep until seven. Fucking shit happens. But I try to you know almost every day wake up five five thirty get to the gym by about six, do some sort of workout and sauna sort of decompression till about seven and then start my day. And I try to 
get to my, I'm a big proponent of this, uh, of time blocking and get to try to not schedule any appointments from like in the first two hours of the day, just have that time blocked for yourself to work on your business. So from eight to 10, I try to just about every day, of course, there are th- things that do come up, just work on my business. And, and my one goal as an entrepreneur and one hardest thing will always be constantly generating leads. Yeah, a lot of people get caught up in their deals. The deals happen and the deals, you know, you'll get through them as you go. But you are one goal or one goal as entrepreneurs is going to be all, always constantly generating new clients. So from eight to 10 ish, just about every day, I try to focus on my deals and focus on procuring new clients and always constantly reaching out because that way you never then hit a lull. And, and if I can carve out that kind of eight to 10 little bit of time frame and even like eight to nine, I can get so much done in an hour. And then it frees up the rest of my day, you know, for appointments, showings, whatever it may be, you know, going somewhere with my fiance or having to go take care of my dog or, you know, if people have to take care of the kids, whatever it might be, you can get sort of that first hour to yourself. It really sets up your day uh, extremely, extremely well for success. And, and the biggest proponent of that is getting that workout done early. I, I've tried where I try to do that workout at noon or five o'clock and it's just, it's not the same. You're always rushed through it. Your phone's buzzing and that sort of, that sort of 5.30 to 7 a.m. is like borrowed time where a lot of people are sleeping in. It's borrowed time. Your phone's not buzzing. You're able just to focus on yourself. It's I'm a big proponent of that. And then just time blocking your schedule, but also not being too hard on it. You know, you can't be perfect. As long as you're consistent as much as you can with things, then then the right things do pop up and you're able to reap the rewards of those. Yeah, love that. I, I love that uh, nice. you use that time. Because sure. use time blocking yeah, too, you but I think one of the important things to use with... <laughs> So it's a little hard. Oh yeah. And if you don't get that shit yes, done in the morning, <laughs> like it ain't, it ain't happening. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm a, we're both kind of, I mean, we, t- we time block everything. I mean, we try to make sure that everything is in our schedule that we ever need to know. So it's really cool that you do that. And I think the other important piece for listeners is like, you really only have about three to five hours in your, in your day where you're like super productive. So like, I think that for us at least, and it sounds like for you, it's the morning, right? And so using that early morning time when like the world is not rolling yet, or that really early morning time to do kind of those like, like Stephen Covey's quadrant two activities where it's like proactive and planning and doing all that stuff first thing in the morning and and cranking that out is really valuable for business. For just setting the tone to a day. And then then again, for for any listeners, don't get so caught, just start trying shit. Start trying time blocking numbers. You could listen to, you could spend a year learning about time blocking strategies. Just pick one and try it. Don't waste yeah. your time trying to understand every single time. Just pick one and try it. And I promise that you'll find one that works for you. Just don't get caught up in the self-help of, of self-helping. Totally. Yeah, that's good advice, man. Not enough people talk about that. You know, yeah. they, you do. You can get caught up in that following and, you know, basically be listening way more than you're actually implementing and that doesn't really do you any good. And it's a lot of the same ideas just pitched in different yeah, ways. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, yeah. It's all the kind of the same sort of stuff and just, yeah, as, as you said, Andrew, just pitched in a different way and it doesn't work yeah. until you work it. And those guys would be the first people. And I don't know, if you had them in a room or had a couple cocktails and they tell you to 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 your face, hey, you just got to do this stuff. Do. do. It. You know, it's just benefiting me. And they love that, you yeah. know, you'll follow them forever and they're going to make money off that. But honestly, like genuinely what they care about is helping you 
and just doing things. And a lot of people get caught up on it. And then think again, that goes back to the athlete mentality of you have to practice. You have to go out and catch balls. If you're going to get better at catching balls, you have to make calls. If you're going to close more leads and you just have to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's great advice. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the market here before we let you go, because yeah. it's interesting in, in 2022 here. Broad question for you. What is your perspective of the real estate market in Colorado right now? Yeah, I, I think it's really leaning towards and you know, I'm I'm thankful and I welcome this because my competitive nature is gonna come out. Yeah, I think it's really opening up towards you have to and and we just keep on as realtors, there's so many forces that try to get rid of the conventional real estate model. And you know, it was kind of Godzilla was buying up a lot of stuff and they were getting rid of that and Redfin was blasted out. Then COVID hit. And then your market needed to be super focused in on it. You know, it matters so much to have that expert COVID hit. And then that came. And then, you know, things are starting to come back and you're starting to see these eye buyers start to come. And then a recession starts to come. And then the real estate, the real estate agent is being used a lot more. I think in this current market, in this current climate where pricing matters so much and deals matter so much and a buyer has a power and a seller doesn't know that they don't have the power anymore having just a really localized expert is going to be paramount because you're not only, you know, it doesn't matter if your sister's a realtor and also just, or if your sister has an active license and, you know, can just help you out. If you don't have that expert, you are leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars on the on the table as a seller, or you're going to sit on the market and get gouged. And as a buyer, the flip side, you're not getting the deal that you could, could have potentially got. You're not getting the rate that you could have potentially got with buy downs and, and, seller concessions, et cetera. And I think it's just going to be paramount in using an expert in the field of no matter where you're buying, really having that person know because that person is paramount into guiding you on the best deal possible. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people got excited about the market and used necessarily, you know, brokers that didn't do the best job for them and, you know, had them pay over on appraisal gaps, et cetera over the past year. And those people that paid $100,000, $200,000 above ask threw away three years of equity. And I think people are seeing that in the market now because it looks like our market's going down. But in reality, it was so hyperinflated. You know, it was 130% above, mm -hmm. above average, et cetera. So now you're seeing a plateau or even sort of some dips in some spots. It's, it's very normal. And, you know, Denver's insulated where, you know, we still do have a lot of demand or a lot of companies moving here. The tax laws are, are a lot more lax than other places. And, you know, you get out here, you love it. You know, that's why we live here, of course. So I think Denver's going to be enslaved, but it's just, you know, you have to price appropriately. You have to do all the right things. You have to market, you have to have exposure and you can't just throw a sign in the yard and expect that it's going to sell. And you can't just go take that buyer around and let them offer asking price because a lot of times that isn't the best offer you can do. So I think just really leaning back to in the market, it's going to be just really consulting experts and, and you know, yeah. really listening to that advice and, you know, not letting emotions drive. And a lot of, I think a lot of buyers and sellers let emotions drive over the past year and it's set unre unreal, or you basically two years, unrealistic expectations. And those expectations are now a lot more realistic. And, you know, with the right sort of advice, deals are still happening. Buyers are still buying, sellers are still selling. The market is still very strong. Just a lot of sort of fear mongering is is getting people emotional and letting those unintelligent emotional decisions drive some people sometimes. But that could mean a deal for some buyer or a deal for some seller. And we're here to help in any regard. But overall, I think the market should be shouldn't be strong, barring any unforeseen 
one and a half percent interest rate blips or anything like that. And I think we're, we're going to start to see some easing on the rates come middle of next year is everything I've read. And, but you know, overall, what I communicate to my clients is the, the, the best time to buy is now the best time to sell is now, but ultimately whatever, whatever works for your time as a person, if you're having to move for a job change, like you, you need to sell that house. If you're having to buy for more space, you know, you're not going to sacrifice your family's happiness for a year to maybe get a 1% less interest rate. Like we'll still be able to get you a deal on, on whatever you could do. And, and ultimately the consumer is going to drive that timeline. And, you know, there's still, there's still pros and cons to every market. And, you know, we're just going to maneuver those. And Sicily real estate's gone up over the past hundred ever, ever since it's been calculated. So um, it's always a good buy or a good sell, but uh, it's really just just being educated about it. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point. Great advice. Be educated. Work with a local expert. You know, on the mortgage side of things, yeah, rates have jumped up dramatically. I've been hearing this little phrase tossed around from people in in my industry is is marry the house. Well, our industry, marry the house, yeah. date the interest Pretty rate. Great. Divorce the rent, right? I mean, like you said, at some point. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that part rent. before. That's we had the divorce, divorce, yeah. divorce the rent. <laughs> divorce the rent, you know. But no, I think that's really important. Education is as important as ever. Strategy is is big with the buy downs right now and the seller concessions. And yeah, I'm I'm just I'm glad you brought that up. It, there has been a big pivot here, like you mentioned. You know, at the beginning of 2022. Yeah, we were seeing $100,000 over list price, waiving all the deadlines, bridging the appraisal gap. That was crazy. And then now, which is just six months after that, it's different. So have you had to just... Has it just been a focus on education for you with your clients? Has been resetting expectations for sellers or for buyers because rates have jumped up? Has that been tough for you? I guess what's your process for you know setting expectations and educating your clients? Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and I don't think any realtor will express this as much as maybe I do. And I'm just very blunt, but no one knows, no realtor, no finance person knows exactly what's going to go on in the market. They don't know exactly where rates will go to. They don't know exactly where they'll jump down to. They don't know exactly where this house will go for. All we can do is make an educated guess. Our client's timing is going to be the biggest driver of that. So, you know, you can never, you can never time anything perfect. Some people do and it just works out that way. But you're dealing with us as real estate agents. We're dealing with people's lives. We're dealing with where they call home, whether it be selling, whether it be buying. And ultimately, all we can do is best advise where that is right in their current timeline. So in, in, I take every single buyer, every single seller when they start to, you know, get hot and say, Hey, let's list, let's list right now or let's wait or whatever it may be. You know, I, I really preface them with, hey, there's a lot of unknown in the future. Here's what's happening right now. Here's what I can explain right now. Here's what's to expect. You know, you're if you're a seller, you're gonna be, you know, I'd give it about two weeks to three weeks, depending on motivation on on your price at market price. If we need to adjust, we can adjust, but I'd probably, you know, it's gonna be about 30 to 60 days, barring, you know, anything unforeseen for us to get a contract. And it's gonna take a little bit. Some price reductions are are healthy. You know, here's a a range to depending on how motivated you are to, to list your home. And I just be real with them. With the buyer, I preface, hey, this it's it's paramount that you understand your the lending side because you know I don't want to I don't want to have you fall in love with something that you go shopping for and then you can't do it because the lending side got a six percent rate and you didn't know it was there. So it's paramount to advise them on the lending side first because although prices are going to seem a little bit different you might be able to get a deal, you're having to stomach that big rate. So 
I really preface that and just I, I just try to with every client, no matter even if they're renting something, I just try to explain what the current market is and what's driving their motivations and almost detach it a little bit from sort of the numbers side of analytically driven and say, hey, what are you looking to accomplish as a family? You know, as a family or as or as a person, if someone's buying a bachelor pad, whatever it may be, not everyone's a family. And just understand that and then say, okay, here's what's happening right now. And here's what's to expect. And here's what's anticipated in the future. But I don't know in the future. And I think it's going to look potentially a touch more. It's going to be harder in the future as you go. But people's timing is people's timing. And, and us as experts, you're, you're there to adhere to them at the current moment and, and, and explain to that and explain what expectations are. But just, you know, I try to be very personal with my clients and understand what their goals are and then explain, hey, here's what to expect. Of course, I don't have a crystal ball. No one does. But here's how I can help you right now. And here's what's to expect. And then let them drive that time and just have them understand that you're there for them to help. Connection and expectations are huge for sure. All right. So in closing, I want you to give me your three favorite restaurants currently. Andrew and I are always trying to... Yeah, in Denver. Oh, like where do I hang out or where I like to go eat? Because I, I got like, two sides of this. As us big guys, they don't tell you this sometimes because there's spots where you go hang out, you know, have a beer, hang out, have some appetizers. That sometimes a big guy needs to just eat. <laughs> and, and sometimes that's those not, are two different that's things. That's not the sexiest thing to do. <laughs> I would say, what what kind of food do you want? Just broad range? You know, let's do, where do we go to eat? You know, yeah, I want, uh, and I'm, I'm not as, as, David, as big as you. make us but, cool. Like, yeah. make us we're, cool. We're where do we go? I'll, I'll, give, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my downtown Dave special and then okay. I'll give you my, like, David, you know, throw me in some basketball shorts and we're going to eat for a little bit. Ooh, um, all right. <laughs> downtown yes. Dave, number one, like, I somehow convinced myself in my mind. I was like, okay, if I go to Chipotle, and they charge me for double me and they charge me for a drink. It's like $24. And I was like, and I would, and then I convinced myself it's the same as like a $50 lunch at Hillstone. So I go to Hill, uh, Hillstone and Cherry Creek is, is my favorite place for, for lunch or early dinner. Their food is just amazing. It's not, it doesn't, it's not too, too expensive. It also doesn't like super fill you up, but it's like a great spot. It's always busy, very fun for Cherry Creek, very fun to go have some lunch and then walk over to the mall or something like that, or, you know, kill off an hour stressfully like I do. Unknown special item, the, the Hawaiian ribeye is the best steak I've had ever. And that's like Capitol Grill, Shanahan's, all of your other steakhouses through Denver. That's like $100 a steak. This steak is like $35 and it's it's like kind of sweet and soy marinated ribeye. It's the best meat. It's the best ribeye in Denver, best steak in Denver. And I'll and I'll test nice. that. And you're not spending, you know, hundred dollars. <laughs> you gotta try it. Tomahawk. Hawaiian ribeye at Hillstone. So that's number one. Number two is Capitol Grill. Yeah. I love Capitol Grill downtown. Uh, I think a lot of people do know about that, but it's a very, you know, very just old school vibe and you can go there and eat not feel bad about it. That's my second favorite. Third favorite, I'll kind of keep it diverse for y'all. I'm a big, I love, if you want it somewhere like kind of cool to go, that's a fun vibe, Happy Camper in Low High. They have, yeah. they have pizza, pizza, burgers, anything you can want, fun drinks. They, they do the Rattler beers. They do like a shot of like vodka, lemonade and the beer in it. And, you know, I grab nice. a couple of those and feel a little bit tipsy and I'm huge. So, so there it's, it's a fun, <laughs> drink, fun, fun vibe. It's always crowded. 
I, it was like an old gas station right there in Lohi and and they came in and made a just killing. They opened it during COVID and have an outdoor space. So they were able to stay open and just really, if you're looking for like a fun new place to go, Happy Camper is great in Lohi. Those are kind of my three recommendations for my three recommendations of like where I like to go to like eat. Uh, number one is Cheesecake Factory, big Cheesecake Factory pro- proponent. Growing up in by Park Meadows Mall, yes. that's my favorite spot. And it gets a bad, it gets a bad rap, but I loved it. I love that place. Uh, <laughs> number two is Outback. Love Outback Steakhouse. Uh, okay, I'm a big chain. Well, Outback I'm a big, Steakhouse. Okay, big chain restaurant guy. Love chain restaurants, and everyone thinks like there you I go. I, I, mean, I, I live in the Highlands. Can't go wrong. If people are like, oh, why don't you like this place? I was like, the chain it chains are chains for a reason. And it's just they're, they're good <laughs> yeah. restaurants. That's number two. Good point. Good point. Number three, like Red Robin, and or if you want to get really okay. dirty with me, Arby's. I love Arby's. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> some of that horsey sauce. <laughs> the horsey <laughs> sauce, and you know you can get throw like a cheese stick on a roast beef sandwich and call it a day, and just uh, yes, you, know, you, you want to have a damper. That is. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you go play basketball or something, go have that after, not before. Before, you know, that yeah. would be after. That, but uh, but yeah. after, be like that. <laughs> that'd be the post game for the for the old man league championship or something. Yeah. Win or lose. Yeah, it's just Arby's. <laughs> but you're that. you're gonna feel that maybe longer than you feel the basketball, you know. Yes. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be feeling that for a couple of days of you know, elevated heart rate. Etc. But oh, I'm glad you brought my, Arby's those, up, those man. Those are my kind of top tiers. I love I love that. Well, underrated. That's awesome. Underrated. Yes. David, thank you so much for being with us today. It was really fun to get to know you a little. Where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, etc. It's downtown Dave, downtown underscore Dave underscore. Kind of all over, all over that Instagram is probably my favorite that I most consistently post on. Run a couple of business pages, but uh, but yeah, Instagram is probably the most popular. Downtown Dave. Yeah, check him out, guys. It is really cool content. We've got a lot of people in the real estate mortgage industry that listen to this, and and check him out. I love the videos. Very creative. Yeah, man. We appreciate your time for sure. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you all for listening. If you guys are listening to this podcast, please give us a five star rating if you enjoy the content and follow us, subscribe. We'd love to keep connected with with our audience. So thanks. 